Welcome to the Artist and Podcast, a series of conversations about the visual arts. I'm Kira Hinton. And I'm Jamin Still. We want to invite you to listen in as we talk to visual artists of all kinds about issues we face in our work. So whether you're a visual artist, interested in the visual arts, or want to learn how to support the artists in your life, we hope these discussions will pull back the curtain a bit, leaving you feeling inspired. And perhaps a little less alone. And welcome to the Artist and Podcast. Uh, we are so excited for a special episode this month. Uh, we asked our Artist and community on Facebook to send in questions they'd love for us to answer. So consider this the official Q and A qu- um, episode with your hosts, Jamin Still and Kira Hinton. Uh, Jamin, do you have the first question for us? I sure do. Um, and let me ask you: Are you are you ready? I'm so ready. Okay. Um, thank you, by the way, for, for sending in your questions. This is really cool. Um, and so I'm going to start with this one, Kira. Would you um, rather, are you ready? Would you rather only be able to paint with one color uh, and all of its, you know, shades, tints um, for the rest of your life or never be able to repeat a color? That's a doozy of a question. Um, and we're going to say, I think in the net where I'm going to like clarify at least the way that I think we're going to answer this question. Hopefully this Please. is the right way it's meant to be answered. Um, I'm going to say that probably what that means is like one color, all of its nuances. We're going to say that means like blue. You're going to paint with blue and all of its nuances and shades for the rest of your life. Basically monochromatic, Light blue, but blue. Dark blue. Shades of Thala, blue, royal warm blue. blue, cold blue. Yeah. You've got like the whole, but it has to be a blue. Okay? Not phthalo blue. That's not. <laughs> or never be able to repeat a color. I kind of interpret that as say I made a painting, which this painting would probably be gross, but say I made a painting with like lavender, purple, and sage green and uh, ivory, then in my for forevermore. I could not touch ivory, sage green, yeah. or lavender purple. I could yeah. use other purples. I could use other greens. I could use other whites. But again, as soon as I use them, they get scratched off the list and they can never be painted again. Yeah. So that's the clarification. With that said, I think I would rather paint with one color in all of its nuances and it would be green. I think I would take green and I would paint in every nuance of green shades, values, hues of green um and that would be it for the rest of my life that is so 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 lame because that is also <laughs> my answer um, green too yeah like i i, I love original. green and i love i love it so much and that's actually the thought the the color i thought of when i when i realized if if i could never use it again it would be devastating and so mm, yeah so lame um, that we have the same same one, but understandable Boring. too because because that's uh, something we both like. Although our paintings look very very different, <laughs> you wouldn't think that our answer would be the same based on our paintings side by side. But apparently, Correct. it's the love for green that that connects us. There you the go. That's why we're doing a podcast. The love for green. <laughs> the love for green. Maybe that's the that next was actually podcast. the second. That was the second um, up on the list. The second. Uh, choice for the name yeah the yeah yeah love for green 
love for green. It didn't the quite. The color green. Yeah. yeah. We just, how much, do, how much can you explore? I don't know. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think we could explore the color green for many podcast episodes. Maybe a, several But maybe episodes. no one else would like it as much as we. I think we there are the go. target audience for our own podcast if we did it that way. Wonderful. All right. We Perfect. should probably move on. Next question. You, I've got it for okay. you. Um, what flavor do you wish you could express in visual art? I love this question. Okay. So I think um, what this means is whoever looks at this completed painting will taste this taste. Whoa. Cool. Okay. I were you, were you about thinking it about way. it differently? Yeah, but I love that way. We're going, we're going with your interpretation because I love that. Well, so if that's the case, then it's got to be pleasant. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> mint. <laughs> I'm going to go with mint. Mint. Um, mm. Yep. I, I love mint. We actually that's have all. mint gro- growing around the house. And... Um, and Max, my my five year old, he'll often go and pick mint and bring it to me, and we'll each eat a leaf. And so that's adorable. If so, that's tied to like good times in my life. And so yeah, if if people could um, look at my painting and taste mint, um, unless they hate mint, and then yeah, are you going to specify? Like, are we talking toothpaste mint or no, 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 the, the real mint? leaf, the okay, real leaf. Okay. Um, okay. Because I was going to say, I look at your paintings and I just feel like I freshly brush my teeth. It already works. Oh, that would be the association? Wait, (laughs) what? Whatever. Okay. Your paintings are so minty. They're so minty. Fresh. Okay. I I sense mockery. Your turn um, (laughs) as to what you would... Man. flavor? Flavor. Okay, see, I had looked at this as like... I could depict a, a taste in art and I'd, I'd love to like imagine visually the capturing of a flavor. So like I'd, I'd gone at this in a very like visual way. Um, mm. So like all of my painting or like my paintings would look like the flavor of whatever. Oh, like kind of a synesthesia-ish take. Yeah, that's, that's wrong, how I take but it. that is interesting. <laughs> So now I have to rethink it from your No, no, no. You can answer your it your angle. way. I mean, you can answer it well, that way. Just no, I, incorrect, but. <laughs> and what's funny is like, I, like, I, all I'm thinking about is smells. Like, I just keep thinking smells, not tastes. So I have to keep like curbing that back and being like, what mm. taste would I want my paintings? Oh, man. I want people Shall to I tell feel... you what I think of when I see your paintings? Yes stale bread just kidding you're a That's... jerk <laughs> stale no i don't bread thank you thank but you but mint mint actually resonates with yours i i feel like more than mine because your greens seem mintier mm. than mine mintier it's the phthalo you know if you paint it is, a phthalo i think you could capture phthalo. mint for sure oh gosh yeah <laughs> but i oh, interrupt so so i was thinking flavors i was going unfortunately we're showing our cards here that we might be too similar to do this project because the flavors that kept coming to mind for me were rosemary or basil. Um, and it's because I'm growing them in the garden. <laughs> so does and, this mean we're too similar or does it mean we didn't prepare and we're just copying each other's answers? Shut up. Uh, <laughs> we prepared. 
But no, I'm just going like, so um, I fell in love with the idea this year of like picking a sprig of rosemary and making my latte with it. So I'm like having rosemary lattes with, oh, I'm going to change my answer though, because now that I thought through that, I want my paintings to taste like cardamom. That's it. I want people to look at my paintings and, and taste cardamom. Okay. I had to get there because I make either cardamom lattes or rosemary lattes, and then when so I so I've heard of cardamom, cardamom. But, but what does it actually taste like? What 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 would I know? Well, it tastes like cardamom. Oh brother, just like. <laughs> okay, have you ever had like chai? Like yeah, Indian? yeah. Okay, that's the main flavor. One of okay, the okay. That's the question chai. I was asking, and you're like okay, well, being there. all like cardamom. Uh, you just said chai. You said I hadn't prepared. It feels only fair. Okay. <laughs> cardamom so and like you would taste cardamom in a few other things but a lot of that like spicy warm flavor and it's also it's got a fresh it's got a coldness to it um i make scones with cardamom and sage and apricot i think and it's just like it has this like coldness to the savory mm. of all the other things. So it's got like warm savory and yet there's this this freshness to it. So that's, that's nice because it's um it's a very comforting flavor. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about the comforting piece. Mm -hmm. Um Well, but like if yours that's is mint. It's nice. If yours is mint, it's nice because they, what that would say is people see your artwork and feel refreshed, right? And they feel sure. like yeah, let's refresh go and also summer like mint actual garden mint is super nostalgic my grandma used to make tea from mint leaves so like that's a really nostalgic so you've got the fresh and summery feeling of okay. mint whereas like cardamom yeah you've got that cozy warm you know spicy kind of i yeah. like it no that's a great I like it. that's a great answer so good fun. job what good questions people sent in i love these is it my turn now yeah it is what's our next question um, okay, uh, so those are those are kind of um, fun icebreakery questions. Now we're getting we're we're delving a bit deeper, maybe with this one. Um, and it's this: What do you intentionally do? So this is something you're actually thinking about. You don't just do it. What do you intentionally do to help you, Kira Hinton, overcome comparison with mm. other artists? Yeah. So that's, I, in, that's, that's, you know, assuming that you do yeah, something intentional. Yeah, no, I'm perfect and I never, ever compare myself with, <laughs> no, I think everybody does this. Um, and it is hard, especially, um, I don't know, I think in a world where we're doing a lot of art in um, online spheres and now you're exposed mm. to thousands of people who might make art similarly to you. Um, it's really hard. And so I, I kind of, I started my business because I had a medium that people weren't working in. And so I didn't have to like wrestle through comparison at first. And I could kind of just be like, okay, here's my thing. Like, I just totally like, I'm not going to start doing art until I have something original. Kira's answer. You sidestep it. Yeah. Avoid it completely. But that doesn't work because then I started playing in other mediums and I started and every yeah. time I would start a new medium, you're a noob. Like you start a new medium, you're an auto noob again. And now you have to like navigate the fact that there are all these people who do this um, better than you because you're new and you're starting it out. So um, I think in a lot of ways, one of the main things that I do, I'll use a more current example. I'm currently like bottling 
magic moments is what I'm calling it. But like a lot of people make kind of similar things, either potion bottles or sensory bottles, whatever they might call them. And um, so one of the big things I went to was why do I like making this? What is the thing that I want it to say and convey? What's the impact I want it to have on people? And then when I have that and I am really set in my identity as why I make these things, then the comparison kind of fades in the back because I can go, oh yeah, I'm so glad that their business is taking off and they're doing what they're doing in a good way because that's their thing. And now we're not like fighting each other for... Um, who's the better one in this little niche group, we're going, you've got, if people want this kind of product, they're going to go to you. And if they want this kind of product, they'll come to me. And so I don't have to um, feel like there's not a scarcity mindset then. Mm. I'm able to go, this. I know what my goal is. I know the feeling I want to capture. I know what I want to convey. And, and other people have theirs. And so it then I'm able to celebrate and support the work that they're doing while feeling confident that I'm the only one who can do what I'm doing for the reason and in the way that I'm doing it. Um, And so when you're not feeling, um, I think a lot of comparison comes from insecurity and just in that, like, am I an imposter? Do I have something worth saying? And I think when you just go right to the heart of the questions, why are you comparing? You're usually comparing because you want to see if you have value and if it's okay for you to still be here and taking up space. And so go right at the heart of that and go, yes, I have value. Yes, I'm allowed to take up space here because I'm bringing this and they're bringing that. And we're, we're both allowed to be here. Yeah. What about you? How does, do you, do you struggle with that? (laughs) Well, sure. Of course. Um, I, and I, and I think. I, I think the the question of that that I primarily think about when I think about comparison is who's better than me or are they doing this better than I am? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, the answer is always going to be yes. So if 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 that's going to be the place that you say you're going to stay and fight, you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was coming to that understanding for me of there is always going to be someone better. Um, but that doesn't mean that what you're doing isn't good Hmm. or worthwhile. And so I think similar to, to what you're saying, there's this, this place that I live in more often now, not all the time, but more often now where I am content with what I have. That doesn't mean I don't try to get better, Mm -hmm. but, content with the skill set, the the vision, the ideas that I have and and working that. That's mm-hmm. what I'm going to work and that's what I'm going to um be happy with. And so what was before when I would look at other work um at times borderline toxic where I'm looking at what someone else is doing and thinking it's amazing and getting jealous suddenly becomes I'm looking at that work and celebrating that there's someone out there doing that thing so well that Mm. can give me inspiration and and make me um, really happy Um, because 
that's great. That's great that, you know, this artist does this texture so well that can create that kind of internal response in me. Do I want to do that? Sure. And maybe I can do a version of that and that's okay. But just because they do something better or different, that doesn't have to lead to to comparison. It's really funny because like I, I kind of have forgotten about this because it's, it's been a while that I've been doing this. I mean, not saying that I never struggle with it, but it, it isn't as incessant as it used yeah. to be, but I'm running up against it again, as I'm finishing up my novel, it's a new medium for me. And so like this thing that I thought I was past, um, I'm experiencing it again in this new medium and I'm mm-hmm. having to um, wrestle through what you were talking about, really identity. Cause I think that's yeah. what it boils down to. If you're pouring your identity into this thing, um, that you're creating, um, there, there's just going to be a lot of insecurity there and a lot of, um, not goodness. Wow. That, that's a great way of saying <laughs> it. There's a lot of not yeah. goodness there. Um, all that to say, it's really interesting that we asked this question cause I'm, I'm bumping up against this thing again for the first time Mm. it feels like with this new medium and so oh yeah that Mm. question resonates and and I get it and I'm actually I don't just remember it I'm experiencing it (laughs) yeah yeah we're not past this I (laughs) love yeah yeah this is uh it's it's not something that I think you ever really I mean like you said it wasn't maybe as present or pressing before you finished the, this novel, like when it was just in painting, you'd kind of gotten to a stasis point. But I think with our growth, right. we're always going to hit it again. Yeah. And I, I, the part of the question that I really like is the intentionality. And maybe I didn't really flesh that out super well, but it's, it's, it's me intentionally saying, this isn't about comparison. This isn't about mm-hmm. you being better than me or me being better than you. It's, it's kind of repeating that to myself. Like, this is what you do and this is what you're going to do. And that that's what they do. And that, and those are very separate things. They don't somehow uh, impart value on me or you or anyone. And so that intentionality is kind of reminding myself of that truth, Mm -hmm. um, which it sounds like that's kind of like what it is for you too. Yeah. Yeah. I think in its own way, I think mine is like, I think when we are so lost looking at other people and other examples, we lose sight of our value and our place and our identity. And so mine is going, hey, hold up, we're going to take a minute and we're going to so recenter on who am I and what is my value in this work? Uh, what is my hope and my purpose? What do I really want to achieve? And then when I go back and look at other people, I go, I can see them also as humans and individuals achieving their purposes while I am achieving mine. And the comparison then just feels kind of like a void issue. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. All right. Uh, next question. Um, do you struggle with self-promotion? This could either be a lack of promotion marketing or an inward struggle slash cringing while doing it because you know, it's necessary. Uh, if so, how do you work through that feeling and resistance? Um, and then we had another question uh, that I feel goes hand in hand with this. And we can answer them a little differently mm-hmm. if we need to. But the second question that I think works with that, too, is how do you handle social media without it handling you? Yeah. 
which I like both of those questions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you want me to take a stab at it, or do you want to? Yeah, go for it. Uh, I hate, I hate self promotion. I hate. Um, well, let me let me clarify it. Like, I hate the feeling of being slimy. Yeah. I hate it in others, and therefore I'm probably over cautious of it being present in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, probably to an unhealthy point where I haven't sent a newsletter in a year and a half, or it might be two and a half years at this point, which is terrible. Um, and and I really infrequently post, and usually the rationale is, I just I just don't want to add to the noise, which which, which can be a thing, yeah, but. I, I think for me, it comes from uh, overcompensating and saying, I don't want to bother anyone. Hmm. When in reality, there are people who actually like what I do. <laughs> and so, and so like for me, there's often difficulty in striking that balance of saying, yeah. Hey, this is what I'm doing. Um, I hope you like it. Uh, there's no pressure to buy it or anything, but this is what I'm working on. I think that's the healthy place. And for me, I think I'm just a little to the side of that where I'm like, I can talk myself out of doing that because it feels it yeah. like it could be slimy. Um, mm. So I guess my short answer is poorly. How to, <laughs> yes, I struggle with self-promotion and I handle it poorly. Um, <laughs> there, there are times where I do post and, and I understand like, hey, this is just me throwing it out into the world. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. a a call to open your wallet or anything. And those are good moments. But I think by and large, um, I don't do it well. And so I shy away from it. Um, so I want to hear your answer because I feel like you're more balanced than me, at least from the outside. That's what it appears. <laughs> I like to put on that front. Now, I think um, I, I really like this question because it made me think about this and realize that I'm really thankful for where the journey has actually brought me on this because when I started um, my business Instagram account, like, you know, I don't know, when, 2017, um, I started at the same time as a lot of other women, uh, female artists and friends of mine. And so kind of on the tails of the comparison question, you know, if their accounts took off and became huge and all of this stuff, and I was kind of stuck going like, what am I doing wrong? I hate promoting and um, feeling slimy and yet I'm falling behind, you know, is this like, I'm falling behind on, um, this numbers game and social media just kind of became this exhausting burden or this frustration or this feeling of failure. Um, and I think it was, uh, one of my first like public event, like conferences or something where a handful of followers from Instagram were there and they'd connected and been like, Oh, I follow you on Instagram. And I love that. And I realized I'd only had like maybe 500 followers at the time. Um, and I realized, wait, 500 is this teeny tiny number by way of how Instagram and social media accounts go. And yet that's actually a lot of people. If you were to put all those people in one room and I started challenging myself to always make sure that numbers equated to human beings. And I realized that like when a person, a single human starts following me, they're actually inviting me into their lives in a really minuscule but important way. They're inviting my content to be seen um, on a regular basis. And I can honor them and that gift by making sure that when I show up 
I my goal is to bring beauty and light into their into their spheres, into their homes, into the spaces in which they're allowing me um, with that. And so, kind of keeping that human perspective um, made it. I, I went from I don't want to be a business racking up thousands of followers. I want to be a person sharing my art to other people. Um, and so that changed how I posted. Uh, it changed the way that I felt when I came to those spheres. And I, I went, I'd rather kind of build this like community of people who know me, uh, know what I want to bring to the world, the voice I want to share with the world, the intentionality of that, and trust that sales and all of those things will come. But my goal here is to be with them and to be human alongside them and to support them and to bring beauty to their day. Um, and that, yeah, just really holding on to the humanity element of it. And it's really interesting this month because um, I was kind of offhandedly posting on TikTok also on the side. Um, and then a handful of videos like took off and went viral-ish. And so I went from like 1,700-ish followers to now like nearing 20,000 within a couple of weeks. And I had, it was really hard because I got actually super anxious. I was like, wait, on Instagram, I have my like small group of people who I've always had, who I can trust my story with, who I know, know me as people. And now I have this like bigger crowd. And that was scaring me because I was like, I can't be slimy with them. That's not how I'm going to keep doing this. My goal is to be a person and is to see them as a person. And so in this month, I've really had to like hammer down on uh, intentionally setting that pace in a whole new sphere with all these new people and going like, I see you as a, as a human and your stories are safe with me. And when you interact with my art and it matters to you and you share that with me, like that is more valuable to me than any purchase or any money. And like starting to set that culture again with a whole new group of people. Um, and I think what that means then when I go to post, I don't really think about it at all like self-promotion. I think about it as this group of people I'm excited to share beauty with and hopefully brighten their day um, and like engage with. And I have people in my DMs constantly sharing stories um, because they know I'm a safe place and and I care. And so I, I don't know. I think for me, the idea of that was I so didn't want to be slimy that I just kind of went on this. These are humans. Like I'm a human. I want a community. I want um, this kind of family to come around my art and um, resonating with it and letting it impact their day matters more to me than if it sells or if it doesn't sell. Um, and so over the years, kind of shaping how that communicates. But then I, yeah, I don't even think about it. I go like, oh, I have a new content. I'm so excited to share with this group of people because I mm -hmm. like them and I want them to know. And um, and then I think that translates to them too. I think they, I think they know that I'm not sharing it because I want to sell it. I'm sharing it because it's a piece of beauty that inspired me and mattered to me and it might to them as also. Isn't it interesting that we, we probably both know tons of people that we see what they do and we don't feel preyed upon to like yeah, uh, yeah. purchase or anything like that. And yet it's so difficult often 
to kind of put that on ourselves and to say like, you can be that way too. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. this is done well and I don't feel like I'm, I'm just a dollar sign to you or whatever. Yep. Um, and yet my own default is that's how everyone is going to view what I do mm-hmm. and, and who I am. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, but that's probably not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's I great. Love it. We've got another question. I think we've got maybe a room for three more. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you this. I would love to hear both of your thoughts, but mostly Jamin. Uh, hey, that's what the question <laughs> says. On staying true, not really, to your artistic vision and voice while still making art that will sell and serve your audience. How do you balance these things and avoid discouragement if the art you believe in doesn't sell? This is a great question. Ooh. Kira, take I want a... Your, well, I want your answer on this first, actually. Uh, well, so you you yeah. and the question asker are on the same page because they would prefer my answer. Okay. <laughs> um, man, this is, this is a great question. I think it's something that we... Unless you're really, really fortunate as an artist, you, you have to wrestle with. Um, mm. I think I have work that I absolutely love, whether it is, I think with my work, it's usually the size. So like larger paintings, of course, are more expensive. um, And so they're going to sell less often. Mm -hmm. But it's within that larger piece that you can do um, bigger, more developed ideas and, and maybe convey something more powerfully at least that's Mm -hmm. that's what I try to do um and so those I guess would in this question fall within this is what I really love to do um and then the stuff that actually sells um is not that so other stuff Mm -hmm. so this is where I've landed on that I allow myself one or two projects a year um where I just where I do that where I make a big piece knowing that it probably won't sell. Um, but it gives me life and I get excited as I do it. And that in and of itself is valuable. Also, I can make prints of it. And so I can sell versions of it. Um, but I think what I've learned to kind of get at the meat of this question, how do I balance that? I think I used to be way more black and white in this where it's like, I'm going to do this thing cause I love it. And I'm going to just figure out a way to make it sell. And I think that's, again, maybe for someone with a different medium that might be doable, but for me, that was a bit simplistic. And that was, um, I just realized I needed to be more flexible and give a bit Mm. more. And so saying, okay, I'm going to do some projects like that, but then I'm going to do some other projects that maybe I know are more marketable. um, And maybe I don't like doing those things or, or those compositions or those paintings as much. Um, but there's still things within, there's still elements within those paintings that I can still really fall in love with. And so Mm -hmm. instead of being like all or nothing, I can say, okay, I can do these smaller paintings that maybe have some pieces in that I do love and that's okay. And just being, being okay with, um, with both. And, you know, having a rhythm of, okay, this is the time for doing the piece that I really love and giving it an extra layer of, of detail and all the stuff that really gets me going with paintings. 
And then this other time is for stuff that maybe isn't my favorite, but is, is necessary for me to be able to do the things I love. And so I think at, at first it felt like a compromise. At first it felt like I was losing by doing that. But just the more I've done it, it's like, no, this is just life. And this is, yeah. this yeah. is how it is. And this is, this is okay. This isn't, mm-hmm. this isn't compromise in the really youthful, idealistic sense that maybe not everyone was, but I know I was at 20. Where it's like, no, it's got to be this way or no way. It's like, no, this is, this is life. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's me. What, what, what about you? Yeah. I think there's the, um, I think it's compromise, but I also think it's sustainability. Say you made a whole bunch of like big paintings and they're not selling. Um, it wouldn't be sustainable. You wouldn't be able to keep sure. doing it and being an artist, you, you know, um, full time, you'd have to go get another job. Um, you'd also get really discouraged that they aren't selling and that would be really sad and like impact. Mm-hmm. I mean, it impacts us when that happens. And so your, your choice is partly a compromise, but I see it as a sustainability choice. You're Absolutely. going like, I can make uh, work in these ways. I'm making the work that sells so that I can also keep making the work I love making. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't hate making the work that sells. And so this is a way that I get to keep doing this for the long run. It's making marathon choices instead of sprint choices. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is compromise. You're right. It is compromise, but it's not a dirty word anymore mm-hmm. in, in, in a way that it was when I was younger, where yeah. any kind of compromise is capitulation, you know, is, yeah. is like somehow surrendering this thing that I had to cling to. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, um, I think there's this element of I think that's a lot of the same way. There's things that I really love doing and I'm always going to pursue because I work in a bunch of different mediums and product lines and things. There are times that I, I will always center the product line that is most fulfilling to me at the time. That's most sustainable Mm. that I can keep going. Um, but I'm, constantly also doing other things in the background. I'm doing commissions in maybe art styles that I'm not working in anymore, Mm -hmm. or I have print sales available for these past art forms that I'm not doing. Um, or maybe in, even in the current product line that's selling, I might love doing this specific one, this specific way, but I'm also allowing for these other options because those are selling too. Um, And it's finding a way that goes, again, you're looking at it by way of, I am, by doing the work that maybe I don't love 100%, I am making a time and space available for me to do the work I love 100%. Um, it's It's an investment in doing the work you love, not a subtraction from it. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel I feel like what we're both talking about, another way of saying it is we are perhaps a, readjusting our expectations from where they were mm-hmm. maybe f- um, where they were maybe 10 years ago, where yeah. I am going to be an artist means something very different then than it does now. Yeah. Maybe it meant I get to do everything I want all the time. And now it's like we, we recognize that it's not. Um, mm-hmm. but w- we love it enough that we're going to make those compromises to still carve out that room. 
Yeah. And I want to touch on the end of that, con- that, that question kind of again, um, how do you a- avoid discouragement mm. if art you believe in doesn't sell? Um, I love that it's avoid discouragement. Like you can just kind of <laughs> skip around it be like, Oh, I see that. I'm not going to feel it. Cause that's not going to happen. Um, you're going to feel the discouragement or the disappointment. Um, if art you believe in doesn't sell, I think there's two different aspects to this. I think sometimes the art you are making and believing in doesn't sell because maybe it's just for you um, Mm -hmm. right now. And maybe it's work that matters for you and the world can't see or understand why it matters. And so they're not investing in it. And that's okay because right now it's yours. I think other times if there is work that matters to you, um, and you really want it to be your main thing, or you, you want people to understand why it's important. I think a lot Mm -hmm. of times that just involves more storytelling, Mm -hmm. more, um, spotlighting it, saying why that work matters to you. Uh, weaving. Yeah. A lot of, uh, social media talk, it talks about like, give your why, tell people your why, why do you make this work? Why do you show up the way you do, et cetera. Um, because people a lot of times want to buy stories. They want to buy the inspiration and the whatever. Mm -hmm. And so if you are weaving the story of why this thing matters to you, why it's inspiring to you, why you believe in it, um, and you stick with it and you're faithful to that work, I do think that inspiration Mm -hmm. catches. I do think people will be inspired by your inspiration and, and, and back it. So there's, it's a very nuanced issue. I think this is something we could Mm -hmm. dive into a lot more, but I wanted to kind of unpack that piece a little bit more that says it's okay to be discouraged. Um, that doesn't mean you table it and you never make that work again. Mm -hmm. It might mean you make that work for yourself and the, you know, your following or whatever isn't ready for it yet. Or maybe they're not ready for it because you haven't gotten them ready. And you keep sharing the story and you keep and being transparent. Honestly, you might not be ready either. You could still, mm-hmm. like, I, I actually, as soon as you start talking about that, I really resonate with elements of that where I feel like I'm still discovering the language to talk about certain things that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. And so I can be discouraged when I don't think about it that way. But when I think about it as, I still haven't figured this out completely enough. Yeah. That suddenly becomes, okay, well, I can do that. I can I can put in more time tweaking this or or thinking. Um and maybe that takes time but maybe that's necessary. And yeah. um so I think that's another option too. I think everything you mm-hmm. said plus maybe that as well. Uh, I like it. Yeah. All right, I'm going to ask you the next question because we got okay. uh, we've got two more. Okay. Um what are the conversations you wish people would have after engaging with your art? And their sub question is, is it important? Mm. And so I'm going to say conversations with me or ask conversations with me or with maybe someone they were looking at the art with. Um, Maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't know that it matters because I think it could also be conversations they have with themselves. Like what, yeah. what is the, when they walk away from your art, what is the thing on their mind that they're either working through in their own mind or they're talking mm-hmm. through with other people? They're asking you, what do you want their takeaway to be? Well, maybe, maybe this is a bland answer and maybe it's everyone's answer, but 
I want them to actually look at the piece and and think about it and ask mm. why I did it. Um, mm. Maybe that's really basic. Um, but the reason I, I think I land on that is so often I see people looking at art. I do shows um, and people will almost treat it like a job. Like I have to see every mm. piece of art here and it's like one or two seconds in front of every painting. And that just doesn't make sense to me. Um, instead, I would want someone to look and to say why. Maybe they don't know that answer. Maybe they don't know why I painted it, in which case they could ask their buddy or their friend or they could ask me, mm. Mm. Um, but actually process it. Um, yeah. I know that's a lame answer, uh, but I, I think... No, I think that's a good thing, though, uh, I think, I mean, ultimately what you're saying is like the best gift that viewers of art can give the artist is to mm -hmm. give it time, give the artwork time. Yeah. And so the sub question, is that important is, yeah, I think it is. Um, because that's what it's for. I mean, <laughs> at least that's, I, I want people to be thoughtful. I want people mm -hmm. to engage my art and ask, why am I feeling what I'm feeling as I'm looking at this? Why am, why did the artist do what they did? And maybe come to their own conclusions or maybe talk about that with someone or talk about that with me. But it, it shows that they actually engaged with it. Um, yeah. Which is what we all want, really. I don't know. But that's what, yeah, that's my answer to this. I'm, I'm curious if you mm. thought about it the same way or not. Um, I think I, th I thought about it a little differently. I thought maybe specifically the conversations that I wish people would have. Mm -hmm. um, I think my goal has always been with art, regardless of medium, is to inspire wonder. Um, and not just at the art or whatever subject I've captured, but to take that wonder and then turn around and stand in awe and wonder at whatever is around them. Um, mm, yeah. I want my art to teach them how to wonder and then to go see that. Like my, mm. my favorite comments that I've gotten is I see the world. I, I notice patterns in nature now because I saw them in your paintings first. Mm. Yeah. That's um, awesome. And it's like that, I love to like capture moments in, in whether, yeah, paintings, even in paintings in whatever medium I'm working in. My goal is to like capture these moments in nature that put me in a state of wonder and awe. And then my hope is that they will then like feel that and maybe not just go like, oh, wow. Yeah, you're right. It is really pretty when the fog comes through the mountains that way. But then because their eyes are open to that, they might go, oh man, but when the the sun comes through the leaves. That's just my favorite. And it might not have been something I captured, but it's, I taught them to wonder. Yeah. And I taught them to be a student of their wonder. Um, so they get to go explore themselves and the world around them in that way, mm -hmm. even if it's not what I painted. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that, that's a great segue into this, into the last question, which is, do you actually have, uh, one or two really specific conversations that, mm stand out to you or that kind of fall within that category um, that are kind of worth sharing? Yeah. I mean, I think that 
that one, um, I, I get a handful of still videos or photos of things in nature that go, when I saw this picture, I thought it was one of your paintings. Mm -hmm. Um, and like in, or, um, I, even with the moments now, somebody just sent me a picture, a video, they were at a lake and the mist was coming off the lake in the morning and the sun was coming through it. And they had just purchased one of my bottled moments, which was morning mist on the lake and Mm -hmm. uh they had it with them and so it's this like she sent this whole story about how much that mattered because that moment was so nostalgic and she felt like it was captured then Mm. in in this bottle um or uh somebody i just got a another comment or message um conversation in the last couple weeks that said i feel like you create a portal to the best parts of our lives or like the, the, to mm. these moments that we lost and we get to have back. And it's like, those are the, uh, then getting to like, usually then I'll, I'll try to ask follow-up questions like, okay, well, what, what was that moment that it brought you back to and get to like hear mm. the stories in their lives that I wasn't painting. Like I wasn't, I didn't know. I wasn't trying to depict that the power of art, um, it felt personal to mm. them it felt like i'd given them um you know this way back into into a time in their lives that mattered um and so like all of those are are pretty personal like you know conversations that like obviously i can't share but just those themes mm. of yeah. um either your work inspired me to see nature in a mm-hmm. new way and now nature reminds me of your art and vice versa or um you know you you your art captured this this moment and this feeling and you're giving me a way back to it right so that's cool that's really neat yeah but conversations about childlike wonder uh or awe of the world or any of those things that's what i always want to do the world is so dark and there are so many things pressing and if i can go hey wait but there is still beauty here Mm -hmm. uh, that's the conversation i want to have have you seen a firefly look at this again (laughs) Or look at this for the first time. Yeah. Totally. Uh-huh. Totally. Yeah. And be like, remember how you felt like when you were a kid and you saw Firefly for the first time? Like, they still exist. There was a quote I heard recently, and I do not know the originator of the quote, so I'm going to find it, and we'll put it in show notes. It's probably me, um, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, it was something like, um, we love the earth because we experienced childhood in it. And, uh, if we had not first experienced childhood, um, and picked these flowers with our small hands, then we wouldn't be in awe when we see them again, season after season as adults. Yeah. I said Um, that last week in a conversation we had. Uh, and I'm gonna, we're going to put the whole quote cause I like for sure butchered it. We'll put the whole quote in the, whoever said it in the, no, um, that's great. In the show notes, but that feeling of. Wait, yeah. the flowers that you picked as a kid that you were in awe of, they still bloom. Yeah. Uh, the birds you heard in the morning when you were a child and you were waking up, they still sing. So let's remember the wonder and the beauty now that it's easier to forget it or or feel yeah. like it's overshadowed. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, what about you? Two two conversations? Yeah, one uh, yeah, one is uh the first one is I had a conversation with a guy a couple years ago. He was 
looking at my art and he was really, really studying it. It was, it was fun to watch him look at the art. Um, <laughs> and afterwards he said, I feel like you give me permission to be sad. Oh, wow. And it, it wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, I realized as I say that, that could be, um, wow, your work's really sad. It, it wasn't that. It was, no, no. it was really, it was really rich. And the way he said it, I mean, he was pretty raw when he said it. Oh, um, I love that. You, you give, and, and again, I, I wish I could remember how we unpacked it in the conversation. I can't. I just remember that line. And it was, it was just such a meaningful moment mm. because what mm. he was seeing, I think, was really what I pour into a lot of my work and what I try to capture, which is, among many other things, the, the rawness and the realness of experience, often as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what he was responding to. And it was, it was, I don't even remember how I did during that show, but that was mm-hmm. just a huge highlight. That was, yeah. wow, I connected with this guy in a meaningful way. Um, mm, I love that so yeah. much. So, so there was, there was that one that was very specific. And then, um, more recently and in several conversations, I've ended up talking to a lot of therapists <laughs> and not me going to therapists, but, uh, me at a show where I have really meaningful conversations with a therapist. And I mean, this has happened four or five, six times where uh, a person who I don't know is like looking at my work and they really resonate with the narrative quality. That's usually the inroad. And then we end up talking about why, and then it comes out they're a counselor or a therapist and they really, um, what, what they're resonating with is as they think about talking to clients, talking to people, they see inroads into conversations in my work that, that I guess they see in my work what they could use as inroads. So often hmm. in therapy, at least from what these people are telling me, what, they're, what these therapists are saying is so often we experience people who don't know how to articulate what their experiences are, what they're going through. And I feel like your work really allows for that or it could allow mm-hmm. for that. And so I guess I've got my stuff in some offices around. Um, but those conversations, I guess those conversations have been really exciting to me. And I, I can't quite put my finger on why. Um, I, I think it has to do with the helping aspect of, of therapy, the, and not even primarily helping the understanding aspect of therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, I long to understand, I long to understand why I'm the way I am, why you're the way you are, like why, why we do things. A lot of my stories are kids as kids faced with really, um, difficult or, or meaningful moments and, me just asking that question. Why, why do we do what we do? Why are we changed in the way we are by these experiences? And, mm-hmm. um, and so I think that's maybe a, a lot of what I think about when I paint. And so to have those conversations with 
professionals who are in that same space with that same desire to understand and to help others understand. Uh, that just really resonates, I think, with me. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's my second answer. Um, I love that. I love that so much. Which, which is, cool. yeah, it's, I, I, I love that creating art, because those things aren't connected in my mind naturally, mm-hmm. like creating art and, and helping people understand, even though, even as I say it, it's like, it's totally related. Like you create art and it's this form of communication. Um, but in that context, in the, in that context, talking to a therapist, like, ah, I just love that. And I, I came away and that was, I had a couple of those at this last show, maybe three weeks ago in Denver. I just came away so filled up um, mm. that was completely separate from how the show went, which was surprising to me. And yeah. I'm, I'm really grateful for that because it's, as I think about it, it's like, wow, there's something there. There's something there for you to explore a bit more and um, mm. that is worthwhile and good. So... I love it. How cool. And I think that's just, uh, I don't know, such a testament to, like you were saying, a lot of times when we're in the work, we aren't envisioning the impact that it could have. Like we're not painting maybe for that purpose. We're painting for, to capture the stories that we're seeing, to communicate just our own. It's, it's our personal thing and it feels like our own. And we don't think about necessarily the good that it'll do once it gets out into the world and into the hands and minds of other people. Yeah. Um, and then it's just a, such a pleasant surprise to find out that it did and it matters. Um, yeah. And I think that it, uh, fills us and inspires us to go back and to keep going. And I think that ties together a lot of the questions we've asked today about, you know, uh, working through comparison or self-promotion or making art that, you know, is true to your own voice, even if it doesn't sell. Um, And I think all of those kind of come back to this, like you were given your view of art because there's art that only you can make Mm -hmm. because there's a world that only you can see from a perspective that only you have. And you don't know the impact that that's going to be on other people because the world hasn't seen it yet. And it's out there and there are people who are ready for it. And your job is just to keep making it. Yeah. And it, it is, it is unexpected because I never set out imagining that. I mean, it's hard to imagine Mm -hmm. what you can't even think about or don't even Mm -hmm. comprehend. Yeah. Um, And yet it is to your point, it's those things among others that really spur us on to, to continue Mm -hmm. to create. Um, or I think should if they don't, because it's like, yeah. holy cow, the fact that you get to create something and it gets to impact people in really unexpected ways is, I mean, that's just crazy. That's crazy and cool. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't you want that? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's a great, I think, place to end. We didn't even, yes. I mean, there, we have other questions and, I would yeah. easily 13, 14 more questions. I think we only answered a third of them today. Yeah. But I think that's a great place to stop and, uh, perhaps we'll do uh, more later, but, um, thank you so much everyone for, uh, listening 
and uh, and contributing um, mm-hmm. to to this episode. We are we're really grateful for that and excited to yeah. be able to do this with you guys. Yeah, you guys make it wonderful. So until next time, take care. The Artists and Podcast is brought to you by the Rabbit Room Podcast Network, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. To listen to all the podcasts on our network, visit rabbitroom.com slash podcasts. The work we do at the Rabbit Room wouldn't be possible without the generous support of our membership. If you're a member, thank you for being a part of what is happening here. To learn more about membership and help us continue to create works like this, visit rabbitroom.com slash membership. Thank you.